We thank the Lord for the opportunity to celebrate children. And today our passage uh, is going to come from Mark chapter 10. If you have Bibles, please open them. If you want a Bible, we can bring you a Bible. We're going to look at Mark chapter 10 uh, and when Jesus commands little children to come to him. So if you'll join join me in the reading of this word, beginning at verse 13. They were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them, and the disciples began to rebuke them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not inherit it. And he took them in his arms, that is Jesus, and he blessed them, laying his hands on the children. Uh, Let's read the call and response again as we prepare our hearts for uh, study of the word. All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flowers of the field. And yes, withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Thanks be to God. Uh, Listen, we're going to do something a little different today. Imagine that. We're going to do something different, innovative, and fun. What? The mic's behind me. Thank you. You kind of freaked me out there, Callan. It's good good to have you back, by the way. We've missed you. Yeah? Yeah. Our 1102 service has a Callan-shaped hole in our hearts that only he can fill. Yes, we're glad you and your hairy self are back. We missed you. Uh, Jesus is clear. He rebukes his disciples in a redemptive way. He says, let the little children come to me. The dysfunction of the disciples is unfortunately something that the people of God can identify with in too many ways. By too many ways, I don't mean T-W, I mean T-O-O. Too many ways can we identify with uh, the disciples who were rebuking people for bringing children to Jesus. We are a covenant community, a covenant family, because God is a covenant God. He makes promises, according to Peter in Acts chapter 2, that are for our children and our children's children. We claim the power of the promises of God for our entire families, and we celebrate that reality, and we should celebrate that reality. But the truth is that there are many children uh, in our congregation and many children in our communities in our city that are being hindered from coming to Christ. Now, you say, well, Mitchell, that's a little bit intense. Didn't we just celebrate some children getting Bibles? No one was like throwing up body blocks, like, don't come on stage. That would have been awkward. Didn't happen. But here's the reality, friends, that uh, children right now are a primary casualty, not only of the crises that are in our culture, but the different levels and layers of conflict in our culture. And God's primary vehicle to put flesh on his invitation, let the little children come to me, is his body, the body of Christ. And so we're going to have an innovative way of celebrating the opportunities we have to be the body of Christ, to put flesh on on the gracious invitation of our Savior for little children and our congregation and our communities and in our city to come to Jesus. The hope of this time is that it lifts your eyes and equips your hearts with the Spirit of God, the promises, the power of the Word of God, and we know that the person of God, Jesus Christ, is with us and his authority is with us as we seek to let the little children come to him. 
And there's three primary areas in our community, in our city, where children are being hindered from coming to Jesus. First, we're going to look at children in the womb. Second, we're going to look children in the classroom, both in Sunday school and in schools in our city. And third, we're going to look at children that are in the foster system in the families that God has called to be his family. And I'm going to do this through inviting friends of mine up. And I'm so excited. You are very aware of the value of collaboration that we have. It was a few weeks ago that we had a translator in here for Pastor Hosius who was here. And half of y'all were like, man, that was great. And half of y'all were like, wow, that was really different. But we really believe in the cross-pollinization of the kingdom of God. If we're not allowing uh, the people of God to go from flower to flower, from plant to plant, like bees carrying pollen, then we will not be as fruitful as God has called us to be. And we will not be as beautiful as he desires us to be. And so the first friend I'm going to invite up is Dr. Ingrid Skop. And uh, she is, come on up here. Uh, she is a chairperson from one of our uh, primary partners down in the KRL, Any Woman Can. Uh, and she's going to answer a few questions. I don't need to sanitize your mic yet because we're going to have people come behind you. Uh, and so Ingrid, uh, you might, if you're a big C-SPAN fan, you might have seen Ingrid uh, giving testimony before Congress uh, last week representing the state of Texas. No big deal. And so <laughs> my question for you, Dr. Scott, is this, first of all, are you more nervous about sharing before Congress or before our, our congregation here? You know, um, in my natural self, the answer would be yes, both. Um, <laughs> but honestly, God has just enveloped me in his peace. Um, with what he has called me to do. I've been an OB-GYN in San Antonio for 25 years. And I would say for the past 10 to 15 years, I've been very, very interested in the topic of abortion. And I'm, I'm sad that I even have to talk about this in front of all these children today. But I've seen so many women that have been hurt. And as, as someone who advocates for both of my patients, both of my patients are harmed by this. I did research, I wrote, but I felt like I really wasn't able to reach the wide audience. And I talked to God about this and I said, I'm frustrated, like I, I've, got a, I've got something to say. And I felt like he told me, Ingrid, I'm gonna use you when you're ready, hmm. but you're not ready, so well, keep preparing. I hope you're ready today. Oh my goodness. Yes. So, God, God makes us ready. Let me, let me, yeah, I'm gonna uh, ask a few questions uh, to kind of drive this conversation. Sure. Uh, we are called to be a people that welcome life from the womb. Abortion, you've already mentioned, it's a huge political topic right now. It's a huge issue, but ultimately, this is a God issue. Can you please tell us about life in the womb and why this is a God issue for the church? I think it's a God issue because it intersects three things that are very important to God. He made man in his own image. He tells us that life is sacred. Hmm. And he also tells us that sexuality should be confined to a loving married relationship. He tells us, as Mitchell discussed, that the children are precious to him, that he wants us to be fruitful and multiply. Mm. Um, so sadly, it is estimated that one out of four American women have had an abortion. Um, of these women, 24% are Catholic, 17% are Protestant, and 13% are evangelical. More than half of the women that have experienced this trauma are within the church. Pastors don't want to um, engage in it. Uh, Pastor Mitchell, you're a, a brave example of someone who will tackle this. 
I understand, like nobody wants to talk about this. My own blessed family don't like that I talk about it all the time. It's, it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. Um, a recent um, Barna survey found that 44% of Christians did not feel that the Bible spoke about this issue. Well, they're not reading the same Bible I am because in Genesis it tells us that God created mankind in his own image and, it and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. The psalmist beautifully describes how God knit us together in our mother's womb. The prophet uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah both affirmed that God called them to the ministry. He named their names before they were born. And my favorite is in the book of Luke, where the pregnant Elizabeth and the pregnant Mary visit. And the unborn John the Baptist leaped for joy within his mother's womb when he encountered the unborn Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, and so worship can happen in the womb, and it is right to even note in that context that uh, the the Savior of the of the world, uh, our Lord Jesus, was brought through an unplanned and even unwanted pregnancy through Mary and Joseph. So the Bible has a lot to say it, about it, but because this is such a contentious time uh, for our culture on this issue, uh, I'm curious. Uh, Proverbs 31 verse 8 says that uh, wisdom compels God's people to open our mouths for those who cannot speak. And probably no one uh, is more helpless to speak than babies, a life that God has named together in the womb. How can Christians open our mouth in this culture of conflict, uh, really speaking truth, not only with our lips, but also with our lives and our love? I love that this congregation has dedicated its time, talent, and treasure to any women can through the Kingdom Restoration Lab. This battle is not gonna be won legislatively. This battle is gonna be won when the church is the salt and light to our secular world and says, sexuality is best within a married relationship, but you know what? There are women and men in crisis right now and we need to come alongside them. We need to teach them what God says, but we need to offer support, financial, material, mm. mental health. Um, Any Women Can is doing all of those things in your basement and you have been tremendous in, in helping with this, but this is where it's got to start. We've got to come alongside these women help them through, give them the resources to bring their children to Jesus. Jesus Christ says himself, let his little children come to me. And how many children are being prevented from even coming into the world, much less coming to Jesus in our, in our culture right now? Yeah, it's very sad. How many, do you know? How, well, um, since um, abortion was made widely legal in 1973, we have lost 62 million children. Um, approximately 860,000 in the last year that we um, uh, counted. Um, it, it has a, very much of a eugenic component to it. Um, 18 million of those are black babies. And when I testified to Congress, I was called a racist for pointing out that fact. Well, we're grateful for your boldness in not only sharing the data that is available for this, but more importantly, Dr. Scott, sharing the heart of God. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's not easy uh, to stand for dignity of both the women and the life that is in the womb. It's sacrificial to have to care for our sisters and address the systematic issues 
that are perpetuating this problem. Uh, your heart and your leadership is invaluable, and I'm going to invite Alex Clary. Uh, I don't know where he went, but I'm going to invite him to come pray for you and pray for us at the church at this time. Will you all please pray with Alex Clary? Thank you. Uh, this is an alcoholic anesthetic wipe. I'm going to give him there. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather and hear about the burdens of what is going on in our world today. Lord, we mourn the loss and the pain that we see, that we hear, and that these women and men are experiencing. God, thank you for the work that Dr. Scott and any woman can are doing. Thank you for the KRL and how they are looking to holistically restore those who are in cycles of brokenness. Father, we pray that we would have a fundamental understanding of what your word says. Lord, you created us to be fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. Lord, we pray that we would know what, we, what your word says and we would know what we know about how we can support these people. We pray that we would know what your word says about when life begins and how we can care for them. Father, we pray that this church would be empowered by this discussion to go out and help restore brokenness. Jesus, that is what you do all throughout your ministry, and Lord, you call us to do the same. Father, would we be compassionate to those who are going through this difficult time? Would we see them as people who are made in the image of you? Lord, would we fight on behalf of the unborn, and would we fight for those who are struggling with these difficult decisions? God, would we not be condemning? Would we be uplifting? Would we not look to ostracize? Would we look to comfort and welcome them in? All are welcome in the kingdom of God. And Lord, that includes the unborn and those who are currently in the midst of these crises. Father, thank you again for their work. Would we be challenged by this? Would we look for opportunities to grow in this? And Lord, thank you again for Dr. Scott and the work that her and her team are doing. And it's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Dr. Scott, thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to invite Mary Henderson up now. And as she comes, I just want to highlight that God's grace is big enough uh, for everybody in here, no matter what decisions have been made in your heart, in your life. And there are no closed doors at the cross. And his forgiveness and, and covenant faithfulness is available for everyone. Mary, I've already wiped this clean uh, with an anesthetic wipe. Uh, we not only want to empower uh, God's people uh, to let the little children come to him from the womb, but also also in the classroom. And Mary Henderson, a covenant partner in our congregation, uh, has been serving in our fifth grade Sunday school class since they invented, like, uh, I would say for this entire century, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, since, 19, since, since 2001, right? At least, maybe not. Anyway, a long time. Uh, and she teaches, not that long, Mitchell, get your facts right. Uh, and she also works in a public school with, uh, with Pam Ray, maybe tennis, uh, tennis. So tell us why uh, you teach fifth grade Sunday school for 10-ish years uh, and why you continue to do it. Well, um, fifth graders are the best. If, if you want the best Sunday school gig in the church, you're going to have to fight me for it. <laughs> fifth graders at a, at a time in life when they're thinking about some really big things and they already have enough of a basis of an education and um, awareness of the world around them that they can start applying big thoughts to their lives. 
Our kids have a lot of uh, worries dumped on them by the media and by their families, maybe even by their school, and nobody's offering them anything to fight against that. But Jesus is the answer to all that. Amen. Amen. It turns out that is the Sunday school answer. Yes. <laughs> so we're, we're very grateful and we celebrate. But mainly the, it's because it's fun. Yeah, mainly that's why I do it because it's fun. You're called to do it. And if teaching fifth grade is fun, that's confirmation of the call. Uh, and we thank God for you. We do. And we want everybody to see and uh, handing out the Bibles, but also hearing Mary that uh, we want to empower family discipleship. We want to really encourage families in the formation Allowing uh, God's grace to be the substance and the, uh, the word of God to be the foundation of your life. Uh, what, what are some fun things that you enjoy doing in fifth grade? I know I hear my son went through and I heard about shofars and things like that. Can you share a little bit of the fun, the ways you well, creatively engage? You know, we play games. We play games. And so the kids like that. Yeah. Um, so we play lots of games. And yes, we have the shofar a couple times a year, the giant horn that we blow it. But we're learning a lot about the Bible that helps kids understand the Bible and why faith can be really real. If they can understand the Bible better, then hopefully they can take on faith. So well, we play games, we make mummies, we, we go outside, we yeah, play tag. Yeah. Somebody's got to make, make learning God's word fun, right? Somebody has to do it. So thanks well, for doing Well, I think that. the whole Sunday school is yeah. because the little kids make tons of noise and we have to close our door. Thanks, yeah. Marty. And we're, we are very, we are very grateful for our children's ministry, uh, our youth ministry, Alex Clary, who just prayed as with our youth ministry. Uh, we celebrate that. But we also know that children uh, are really struggling in our, in our city right now in schools. And uh, if you look at the mental health stats, uh, it's astounding for children all throughout education schools. And Mary, uh, you've been a couple of years now at Idea Ewing Hallswell School, right? It's a public school, that, a charter school that's uh, south of here. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you're seeing in the realms of teachers and students and their struggle with administration right now? What are you seeing there? So kids, um, kids always come to schools, no matter what schools, private or public, they come to school with some problems and some issues. Some of them are because they just need to be taught how to act, and some of them are because there's something deeper going on. So you have that, and now, um, in the past five or ten years maybe, we have the added fear that comes with children with uh, things that they see on the media with violence. But this year, now we also have COVID. And I feel like kids are suffering because they get a constant stream of information, media, um, things that they, that they can't do anything about, so they're really out of control. So I, at my, on my campus, we're seeing a lot of anxiety, oh, lots wow. and lots of anxiety, and it manifests itself in a variety of ways. And what are you seeing as far as the sustainability of the teachers and the administration in so such a really teachers, difficult time? Teachers also, um, teaching is always hard, but it's harder now, I believe, because they're dealing with kids that are a year and two years behind because of how we handled COVID. And um, children, a lot of, there are a few kids that responded to online learning beautifully and loved it. I will acknowledge that, but most kids, probably citywide, nationwide, maybe even worldwide, did not respond to it super well. So we're dealing with the urgency of not only the regular things that school deal, schools deal with, but trying to catch kids up because the expectations have not changed. Mm. I mean, a third grader is still supposed to read here, but 
they're coming to third grade reading down here and it's hard to get them up there. Yeah, and you combine that, layer that upon uh, the fear that parents have, the anxiety, the frustrations that are happening, all the changing protocol uh, and and the, the whole combination there, what those ingredients make are a very difficult situation. It's and lots and lots of absences. Say that again. Kids are missing a lot of school. Yeah. Either because they're sick or because they're quarantining. So that's a big well, issue. Uh, Anxiety one... and absences, hard to educate them. Yeah, and it's hard to love them. And uh, the teachers are overwhelmed. One school district, I'll quote uh, a superintendent, I will not name them or their district, but they said that in the last year they've completely lost contact with three, uh, one third of their students. It is a really difficult time for administrators and teachers. Uh, that same uh, administrator mentioned the level of security that they now have to have uh, for volunteer roles, for school board meetings, and uh, the stress is high, the tension is high. And we want to be a people uh, that embody the body of Christ. And we want to show the love uh, that we can to faculty and administrators and teachers at different schools. So everybody look around you and you should find on the pews, or pews, these chairs, somewhere near you. These are cards. And we're going to ask you to take uh, five minutes. I'm going to ask Karen McCulloch going to come and pray. Uh, write five sentences. We're all going to pray for uh, our schools right now, but we have two schools that we're going to target with some FPC love. We're going to give them resources. Uh, we're going to give them uh, gift cards to their teachers. We're going to give meals, and we're going to give notes. And we're going to ask for you, to, after this service, to take a few minutes to write a note to a teacher, to a faculty member, to an administrator, and just say thank you, and we're praying for you. We're grateful for your leadership and we, just maybe a Bible verse. And you can say with integrity, you're going to pray for him. You are praying for him because Karen's going to lead us in prayer now. Will you pray? You know what? I think we should also mention that sometimes public schools in particular are villainized in the media. And no matter what schools do, public or private, they're not going to please everyone. And so it's, it's a hard position to be in for educators. So when, when you're interacting with educators, you might cognizant of that yeah because everyone's never going to be happy yeah will y'all all please pray with me oh gracious father we praise you for mary and all that she does please equip her with your wisdom strength and love as she meets each child in our church and at school we lift up parents faculty and staff to you mm. help us to hear our mission from you how to love and support our schools. Oh, how they need your love more than ever right now. Guide us in loving our schools and our service to them. In all that we do, gracious Father, may the glory be yours. We pray this, trusting and believing in you. In your precious name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you very much for sharing, Mary, for your leadership. Karen, thank you. There's, there's going to be uh, two baskets out there. Uh, if you want to drop your note in one, please just take a moment to write at the end of this service. It won't take you long. But if you also want to help with the resources uh, that are going to support our Love Our Schools initiative this month, we're going to love at least two schools. Um, but here's another reality. I'm going to invite a friend of mine. This is Ariel Kraft. And Ariel is married to Mike Kraft, uh, who is holding a phone up uh, right now, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> Their family is here. And uh, Mike is the planting, founding pastor of Mission Community Church 
and he's a friend of mine. And Ariel is a friend as well, and she has a fire, a fire for God's people uh, to embody and put flesh on God's gracious invitation uh, for let, letting little children come to him in a particular space, and that is the foster space in our city and our region. Uh, Ariel, I'm just going to start off by asking you, first of all, thank you for being here. I'm going to ask you why uh, uh, this foster crisis is real. Uh, what do we not know about that? I think that a lot of us don't know how serious this is in our city, in our county. Um, I like to think of it as an invisible crisis. Uh, it's really hard to perceive. And the terrible reality is that there are, at any given time, um, about, I brought my numbers because I'm not making things up, um, 3,000 kids in Bear County that are in foster care. Um, at this point, we're lacking over 800 foster families in Bear County, and right now there are 850 kids that are waiting to be adopted. So if you can just imagine the pain that's behind all those numbers, um, this crisis is pretty staggering. And that's really right in our own neighborhoods uh, of, our, of our city. And uh, your passion and y'all's work with the South Texas Alliance for Orphans is something that's extremely valuable to us. But Ariel, uh, what does God's word call the church to do in caring for foster children and, um, and children that are uh, looking for adoption in homes and families? I think that a lot of us are familiar with James 127, you know, look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And unfortunately, I think it's gotten a little bit like, nah, like, okay, for sure, doing it. Um, so I think that it in evangelical America, Christians, whatever, I think it's a little bit easier to err on the side of like doing, and I don't mean this to sound harsh, but maybe doing like just enough to make sure that I like did that thing as opposed to asking the question of, am I doing the most I possibly can to lay my life down for the gospel and to enter into the pain and the brokenness and the mess that these children are living in the way that Jesus did for me? Because um, he gave everything, you know, and Foster care has taught me more about the gospel than I, I ever have learned um, in any other way. And so I think Jesus is saying, hey, like, I gave my life for you. And you have a chance to give your life um, to help someone else, you know. And so that's what's on my heart about it. Um, well, thank you very much for sharing your heart and your passion. And, and that response is at the heart of why we do everything we do for children. Uh, we can come to God as children because the Son of God himself was abandoned. He was on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was abandoned so we could be adopted. With his spirit, we could cry, Abba, Father. We love children because that's the ways that we have been loved by our Heavenly Father. Uh, as you encourage us to give everything, because Christ has given everything for us, uh, I'm going to confess, I often align with the disciples in this scenario where I am throwing up all kinds of hurdles to justify my lack of participation. What are hurdles that you see that are erected within God's people uh, from uh, actually engaging this foster care crisis wholeheartedly? 
I think one hurdle is just not knowing that it's real and that it's a, an issue. Um, so I think part of it is awareness. I think another hurdle is ta facing head on the fact that we are very comfortable when we just are, you know, and, and that's kind of how we are wired as humans. Like we desire to be um, feeling really secure and safe and know like, hey, I, my family's protected, I'm comfortable, it would be really awkward and hard and messy and things could get really messed up if I put myself out there into this situation where, you know, it's foreign and probably gonna be really hard. Um, I think that is a bit of an obstacle. Um, I, I, I just have to say that the verse that was read this morning, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, is like my life verse. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, she's reading it and I'm like bawling my eyes out. Cause I'm like, Jesus knew I was gonna be here today. And they picked it for me and they didn't even know. And that was so nice. Um, but he says, forget the former things. Mm. Don't dwell on the past. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it springing up? Mm. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And I promise you that even if foster care feels like a wilderness or a desert or something so scary or barren or I can't do that and I don't even know what to do or or how I could ever tackle that Jesus he will make a way in the wilderness I promise because he's done that for me I've seen it um, tell us tell us a little bit about how you've experienced God's grace in overcoming those hurdles in your own family and personally we are a foster family um, we're an adoptive family um, we had our first experience with our first foster son was a testimony of watching God do something absolutely beautiful and incredible in redeeming and healing um, our foster son's biological parents and watching them uh, experience rehabilitation, coming to our church, starting a relationship with them. And where, I mean, you step into foster care and you're like, I don't even know what is going on. Like mm. you think you do, but you don't, I promise. And then you're like, what? Um, that's okay. <laughs> because I'm telling you, like, that's where you, that isn't it in like our most dependent, desperate places that we meet Jesus so intimately. And then we're like, Oh my gosh, I think I'm doing all this stuff in my own strength, but like, I can't like, who am I kidding? You know? So it was just incredible to see Jesus show up and do this just beautiful thing and watch our foster son be reunified with his parents. And I mean, it's a testimony that only can go to the glory of God. Amen. Um, and I, I, don't know, I can't even talk about our son's story because we don't have time for that. But <laughs> Well, if you want to talk more with Ariel or Mike, Mike's going to come up and pray for us. But uh, they're going to be available after this. And we want to encourage everyone here. Everyone has a role in caring and loving um, the foster children in our city. Uh, we have the Love Initiative. We call it Loving Orphans Via Everyone. Uh, and you can get this um, on your way out. I think Molly Mitchell, uh, I don't know if she's here and Ellie somewhere. And uh, we, ha we have these available at a table. Would you please just take it and pray through it and look it over to see what your role is? Um, but I'm going to ask my friend Mike to pray. But before he prays, don't hand the mic off yet. Uh, Ariel, what is one thing, if you could say that church, one thing, what do you want him to hear uh, about our role in welcoming children, um, bringing them to Jesus through foster care? I guess one thing is that everyone can do at least one thing. 
and find out what's out there. Find out how you can support the foster families in your area. Find out how you can love on them. Foster families burn out and fit half of them quit in a year because it's, you know, it's you feel lonely because it is an invisible thing. Um, and then just take this to, to Jesus. You know, get on your knees and take it to the Lord and say, are you asking me to, to do this and to open my home and my heart to a child who is suffering? Um, and see what he says. I really think until we do that, we can't know if it's really not what we're called to do. Because mm. just because it doesn't feel like it is for you doesn't mean that it's not. Um, Christ be magnified says, you know, our faith isn't in our feelings. So I think we really need to ask ourselves how much of this is in my feelings and how much of this is actually, I, I'm not, I'm not exercising faith here and I haven't asked Jesus what he wants me to do. So, well, thank you, Mike. Will you pray for all of these things and for our church and everybody, please, please make sure you take time to grab I, this on your way out. I would love to. And as Mitchell said, um, we would love to talk, talk with you. This is, we're so passionate about this and he's got our contact information. So please feel free to reach out to us. We count it a privilege. But as I pray for us and for the believers in our city, would you just stand with me? Mm. Lord Jesus, I am so humbled today to be here and to be with my brothers and sisters to worship you and to magnify you. And God, it's a reminder that I'm a part of a family that's much bigger than I even realize. And God, I thank you that we're not here as a timid audience, but we're here as a powerful army because we have the Holy Spirit of the living God, the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us and empowers us. And God, where there's fear today, I pray that you'd replace it with faith. God, where we value comfort, I pray that we'd replace it with obedience and surrender. And Lord Jesus, that we would follow you because you're worth following. And that we would truly lose our lives for the sake of the gospel. And God, in that, that we would find ourselves and find who you've made us to be. God, for this crisis in our community, for these children, Lord, it breaks our hearts, these kids, don't have homes, they don't have families. Lord, and I believe that that's not okay with you. And I pray, I believe that what Mitchell said is true, that the, the way that you allow the little children to come to you is oftentimes through your people and through your body, the church. And God, I pray that we would rise up, that we would link arms as brothers and sisters. God, I thank you for First Pres and Lord, for really the, the flagship church that it is in our city. I thank you for their commitment to proclaiming Christ and the truth of the gospel and the hope that we have in him. And God, I thank you for every church in this city that proclaims Jesus. And God, tell them that there's hope and the hope isn't because of who we are. The hope isn't because of what we can do or how, how strong we are. But the hope is that Jesus Christ is alive and his church is alive. And God, I pray that, that we would see revival sweep through the city of San Antonio. God, I pray that the church would say, hey, this is not okay with us. We're going to take in these little children. We're going to let them come to us and that we obedient to how you're calling us individually and God, how you're calling us corporately. And Lord, that the city would see it and that they would recognize that we're not doing this. We love and care for kids ourselves, but we're doing this because you love and care for kids. And this is your idea, God. So God, we give you praise. We give you thanks. I pray that we be open and obedient to your Holy Spirit and we be led by you. And God, again, we thank you for this time. And it's in your mighty and matchless and holy name, Jesus, that all God's children said, amen. 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 Thank you all.